0: Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Welcome back to Your Best Life Podcast. Anna Victoria here and Luca.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It is just Luca and
2: I. So I guess Luca is technically my guest. (laughs) So we are going to be talking about our birth story. And I did share it on YouTube, um, but I was really trying to not make the, the video too long. So we're actually going to be going into more detail Um, on the podcast episode for you guys because I know that you have a lot of questions on what happened. So, Luca.
1: (laughs) So where do we start? It's uh, August 9th.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And you are starting to have some Braxton Hicks here and there, right?
2: But didn't I actually have those on the 8th? Or was it the 9th? Because I think Uh, that the 8th was like when... Okay, so for those of you that don't know, Braxton Hicks are like... They're not really many contractions they, like they do technically prep your body for the birth but like they don't hurt so they happen like really throughout like second and third trimester and it just is kind of like a tightening of your stomach but like not really any pain and what happened is i started having braxton hicks that did have a little bit of pain and i remember telling you luca i was like i think something might be happening because or like, you know, there's progress being made in my body because these Braxton Hicks are starting to hurt a little bit, right?
1: Yeah. And then I remember, you know, we took the the steps that, you know, during the class that we were told to do. Like, you know, you ate something, you drank something. Oh my something.
2: gosh. You were so funny. So, yeah, go ahead. So go
1: the steps were, you know, when you have Braxton Hicks <laughs> and you, you think, you know, to check if they're actually contractions or just Braxton Hicks, you, you know, you start eating something, you drink something. Then you I think you take a nap. You change
2: position. You change position. Then you take a nap. So around. if yeah.
1: move around. If after one hour and you tried all of these things, you still have those, you know, pains and Pain, cramps.
2: Yeah.
1: Th- then it's, it's probably actual actual contraction and you have started labor. So we started the process, and I remember you told me, you "No, know, you know, I'm fine. It, it went away. You know, I don't feel anything anymore."
2: Well, first when I told you that I was like having these like. What seemed like painful, Braxton Hicks? You're like, okay, you're gonna eat something, <laughs> and, and you need to, you know, get up and walk hey, around. It was so I cute.
1: I paid attention during you the class, did. trying to help as much as I could. But you know, yes. um, you
2: probably paid attention more than I did. <laughs> uh,
1: so I think they went away, right? Eventually, did. You know, we did oh, all on the things, eight, and, yeah, yeah, and they ate, and they went away. So the day after the ninth, pretty much the entire day. You didn't feel anything.
2: Not during the day. Yeah,
1: almost the entire day. And then in the evening, you again, you felt, you know, a little tightening. I remember here and there.
2: Well, I want to back up Mm -hmm. really quick because um, I don't remember if we shared this on the podcast or not, but we decided that we were not going to tell our friends and family when I went into labor because it's only you and me here. And I feel like it's different when you have actual family in town that can be there and, like, be in the waiting room. And since we didn't have that because of being in, you know, a new state that we just moved to and because of COVID, no one was able to visit, we did not want the situation to happen where I tell everyone, like, okay, I'm going into labor, and then the entire labor, everyone is texting Luca for, Hey, is, can you have an, up, is, can you give us an update? Like what's going on? You know, we needed you to be present with me right. and not on your yeah. phone because you were the only person that people could reach out to.
1: Which by the way, I completely forgot to tell you, but people <laughs> started to text me anyways, even if they didn't know. Because they didn't they, they didn't hear from me for a couple of days or, or so. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, my friends
1: surprised. started texting me. Hey, is everything okay? And then I wouldn't reply, and uh, uh-huh. and then they were like, I saw that you know actually the chat is really funny because <laughs> they were like, hmm, we think that's that you know it's time. Uh-huh. I think you're you know, not replying, not. and they were t- because there are multiple people in the chat. That they were like, hmm, Luca's not replying. I think it's time, <laughs> you know, stuff like well, because that. So
2: also at this time, I was three days overdue. So, right, right. you so know,
1: people were actually expecting you, yeah, obviously, any yes. day, you know, yeah.
2: So when I told my mom, like, hey, mom, like, we're not going to tell you when I go into labor, she was she wasn't upset. She wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you. But she was just like, oh, like, that's that's a bummer. Like, I've always been there for my daughter, you know, daughters that have gone in, into labor. Um, but yeah, for us, it was really important that you were in the moment.
1: And, and, and I told my mom, hey, we're not going to tell anyone. Same for your mom. You-. Yeah, and and she was actually really understanding. I think she told me that she didn't tell anyone uh, mm-hmm. when she went into labor, uh, same right. thing. So yeah. um, she she was really like, okay, that, that's fine. Just, you know, whenever you text me to give me an up- update whenever you can or you feel like yeah. it's time to communicate.
2: But the whole reason I wanted to bring this up is is because my best friend, I still haven't told her this, so if she's listening. <laughs> um, she was, she called me like randomly, just called me out of the blue the evening of it was either the eighth or the ninth. I can't remember, but I definitely was already having those painful breaks and hicks, and I knew that something was happening. And she called and she's like, "Hey, just checking in. Any news?" And I had to lie and be like, "No, nope, nothing's going on," because we weren't going to tell anyone, you know. And you know, we told them that ahead of time, but also like even like our team. Uh, our employees, they were like, you guys, we're going to know when you go into labor because Mm -hmm. you guys replied to everything right away and you guys are going to go MIA. So, (laughs) well, no. So anyways, I delivered on the 10th. So the 9th at night, we go to bed and it's midnight and I go to sleep. So like going into the the morning of the 10th.
1: And by the way, still nothing, no pain or nothing, right? No,
2: not, no. I woke up at two in the morning So I got two hours of sleep, two painful contractions. And I remember I woke up and I was like, whoa, this is different. This is painful. And you always told me like, Anna, the second you feel anything, wake me up or tell me. But I knew it was two in the morning. I wanted to let you sleep. And like, I didn't want to wake you up unless it was like actual go time. And it really only took a few minutes. And I was like, okay, no, like I need to wake Luca up because this is getting real, real quick. So my, they were contractions and they started really quickly right off the bat. Like in our Bradley classes, they were talking about the different stages of labor and like, you know, contractions in the beginning can be eight to 10 minutes apart. And mine were like three minutes apart, right from the get go. And they were lasting 45 seconds long. And once they're at a minute long, that's when it's like, okay, these are getting serious. And they were, it had been 30 minutes of this happening consistently. And when it's been consistent for an hour, that's when it's like, okay, it's time to go to the hospital. So we were already on that trajectory of it being an hour, being almost a minute long contractions and being less than five minutes apart. They were like three to five minutes apart. And I thought my water broke. So this is kind of like what really set us kind of just like on like the whole path for the rest of the night. Because Because we were
1: planning to labor at home for as long as possible. We weren't planning to go to the hospital until the very end.
2: That's what my mom like always said that she would do. My sister did with both of her girls. And I just, yeah, like I, when you like, who doesn't want to be at home, you know, like in a more relaxing environment and so that's always what I wanted to do. And even our doula told us, or our Bradley instructor said, like, okay, if you go into labor in the middle of the night, you want to try to slow the contractions down because you want to be as rested as possible. You don't want to go to the hospital on like no rest. And um, so, getting like one strategy to slow down contractions is to take a bath. And I love baths, guys. So I always was like, cool. Like, when I go into labor, I'll get in the bath and that's going to, you know, relieve some of the, the cramping and the pain. But if your water breaks, then that kind of like removes the seal that like protects the baby, so to speak. And taking a bath can be dangerous because it can introduce bacteria into the, you know, to the baby and everything. So it really, when we told them, when we called the hospital, they were like, okay, yeah, you like your contractions are this long, this far apart and this consistent. Your water broke. You need to come to the hospital. And you guys, the drive to the hospital, I can't say it was like the most excruciating thing because the entire thing was yeah. excruciating. <laughs> I am not going to lie. But being in a car when like the roads are not paved perfectly and it was super bouncy was so painful.
1: And by the way, I was going 15 miles an hour. Oh, and yeah. It, I- and you were still in such crazy pain that you had mm-hmm. me pull over every five minutes every pretty much every contraction you had, every I contraction. had to pull over
2: I had Luca yeah. pull over so I could write out the contraction without movement it was so painful so when we got to the hospital I got checked in it was probably like four by this time maybe three thirty, and we get checked in and everything we get in a room it wasn't going to be our final labor and like birth room um, cause I guess all the other rooms were full. They said that that night they're like, something's going on because we keep getting women coming in and labor. Like our rooms are overflowing right now.
1: They were actually cleaning the rooms.
2: From past, from women who yeah. had just had yeah, babies. Yeah. So, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so they, they were saying, hey, give us some time to so clean the room. And it was also three in the morning. So they didn't have a lot of stuff, obviously.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so they, yeah, they put us in a pre-labor room uh, yeah. for a little while.
2: And it seemed like it took them two hours to clean that room. I think <laughs> clean more, the more one than, no, room. No,
1: more than that. More than yeah. that. Yeah.
2: Because we were in that room for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we get checked in, we get into that pre labor room, and they check to see how dilated I am. And if you don't know, 10 centimeters is like fully dilated, you're ready to push. And six centimeters is typically when they say, okay, it's time to go to the hospital. Like,
1: yeah, it's, it's considered it's, active labor, right?
2: Uh, yeah. I was only four centimeters and when I heard that I was like what like the pain how like intense it is and I'm only four centimeters like I could not believe it and that was really kind of discouraging to hear and they asked us like do you want to go home but thinking of that car ride you guys like there was no way (laughs) I was gonna get back in a car and go back home and then back to the hospital again in like what a few hours like it just yeah. wasn't worth it
1: I at this point it's 3 30 a.m more or less right.
2: and they also checked to see if my water broke and they said it didn't and right. they were like are you sure your water broke like it wasn't pee you guys I did not pee myself like you, I know the difference I know what pee is and it wasn't and I've actually heard from several women that said that the same thing happened to them that they had something that felt like was their water breaking. It was like gushes of water, um, but they said that their water hadn't broken. But I have been told that those tests are not totally reliable.
1: Yeah. I remember the doctor that was on call that night, uh, she came in and she said, your water test came back negative, but you might have had a a very high leak. Do you remember that? Oh, no. (laughs) High in the bag. Yeah, yeah. A very high leak, like in in the upper part I of the see. bag uh, that is you know cannot be detected by this test
2: this so is that's nice to me i yeah? did not remember that there's yeah. gonna be a, a few things guys that luca remembers and knows better than i did because i was in another twilight zone at the time Definitely. so yeah so Pretty much I I continued to have contractions in that pre-labor room. I also started throwing up. And this is another thing that just kind of really set us on like a not great path for the whole labor and birth because I only had two hours of sleep. I was exhausted in my ability. Like I usually I have a high pain tolerance. Like I truly have never been afraid of birth my whole life because I've just always thought I can handle it. Like my mom had seven kids, like not that it's mind over matter. It's definitely not only that, but I think that I can get in a good headspace to handle it and I have a high pain tolerance, et cetera. mm guys. I've shared, I'm sure, several times about how my mom said, like, oh, for her, dental pain is worse than childbirth. During the labor, <laughs> what did I say, Luca?
0: <laughs> oh,
1: I don't remember. It was actually really funny. You said, I had, I need to have a talk with my mom about, about uh, yeah. how painful labor is. Something like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I think it... it, it Probably it was like in the afternoon. So it had been over twelve hours of labor. Yeah. And I said I was like, I need to talk to my mom <laughs> about her claim that dental pain is worse because uh uh-uh, uh it is not. So so but yeah, I, I was throwing up, I couldn't keep anything down. They even gave me bone broth and I was throwing that up.
1: But before that, because before we left our home, you had eaten a little Greek yogurt. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm yeah well because
2: you told me to eat yeah
1: you know let's eat something you know you don't want to you know go into labor yeah
2: we were told that once you get to the hospital they don't let you eat and from my understanding the reasoning behind that is because if something happens where you need to have an emergency c-section that is surgery and they need your stomach to be empty i believe that is the reason why and i remember oh my gosh i so Spoiler alert, I ended up having an unplanned C-section. And having a C-section was my worst case scenario. It was my absolute like nightmare scenario. And I remember like even in all the Bradley classes and all the birth prep classes that we did, all the C-section parts of the class, we kind of skimmed over. Like we or I just kind of tuned out, I'm going to be completely honest. In my world, it was like even though we had that the birth plan and I knew that like, I was fine with deviating from it. My idea of deviating from it was like needing to get induced or needing Pitocin or, you know, or which is a form of induction or needing an epidural. Like my idea of deviating didn't really include a C-section because I just really, it just didn't seem like that was going to happen unless there was an emergency. And in case there was an emergency, then of course that would be okay with me. Um, So when they were talking about how, oh, you can't eat during labor because if you need to do a C-section, I thought in my head like, haha I'm going (laughs) to bring Cheez-Its and I'm going to bring, you know, like all these things I'm going to be snacking on because I'm not going to do a C-section. Which we did
1: bring a bag full of snacks. We did. We we brought so
2: many snacks and I did hear that like a lot of those snacks are for the husband, you know, they're they're for the partner. Um, Well, so...
1: I didn't work out really well because... Are,
2: you you want to share your side of...
1: <laughs> let's just say that I was obviously very nervous and, you know, I was worried and I was, you know, I definitely worry a lot. People know that. And my stomach didn't react really well to all this uh, nervousness. So <laughs> So let's just say I had a lot of trips to the bathroom, like multiple, multiple trips to the bathroom during the entire labor. And I had so... no idea... Like yeah, he just said the
2: insane. Yeah, he you hid it from me because you didn't want me to think about, you obviously, know, like, oh, yeah. Luca's not feeling well and all nervous. And because you were supposed to keep it like cool, you know, and relaxed right. for me, right? <laughs> right. So. so, yeah. So, anyway, so I did eat something uh before we left home because we were told that that's what you should do. I threw it up when we were at the hospital. They didn't even give me anything. I don't even think I had an IV in and I was throwing up.
1: Afterwards they did. Right after
2: uh, so they did, you, yeah.
1: yeah. you started throwing up. Honestly... I was a lot like you started yeah. throwing up a lot <laughs> and at one time I even didn't you know we had the bags and you know he I, pulled I, I it did...
2: away and he missed he didn't get it back to me in time
1: well I pulled it away because I thought it was done yeah
2: no. I, I, it, it all right I think this, this is probably enough yeah, throw keep... up talk
1: okay. yeah exactly yeah so and then they eventually gave you um, a medicine for nausea mm-hmm. and you know they actually did navy an and you know a medicine for nausea which didn't help very no. much right mm-hmm. yeah
2: So, I was exhausted, throwing up, and I was uh, in labor for seven hours until they checked to see how dilated I was again. So, I was four centimeters when we checked in. Then they checked me seven hours later, and I was still four centimeters. And what did I say to you, Luca, prior to getting checked? The second time,
1: the second time you said, that "If I'm not at at least seven yes. centimeters, I'm getting an epidural." That's what you said yeah.
2: Because I thought to myself, "Okay, how long it's been and how painful it's been, I imagine I'm gonna be like seven centimeters dilated at least. If I'm less than that, I'm getting the that epidural." Right. And again, remember, like that, my birth plan was to do unmedicated vaginal um, birth. So when they told me that I was still at four centimeters. That is probably, it was the biggest like letdown I feel like I've ever had in my life. Like I I don't remember ever feeling so kind of just like hopeless and just like, are you kidding me? And so I said like, yep, I'm getting the epidural. Like I know my body. I know that the reason why I'm not further dilating is because I can't relax because these contractions are so painful because I'm constantly throwing up. I have the shakes. I'm exhausted, no, sleep. Yeah, no exactly. sleep. yeah, like my body literally cannot handle
1: it. And at this point, we are already at over seven hours of labor mm-hmm. and it's about 9 or 10 a.m. And they had moved us in the, in the actual mm-hmm. labor room. And yeah, you you ask for an epidural after they checked you. And yeah. what happened is you started, you know, say hey where is the anesthesiologist you know they weren't coming you know because it takes them like about 30 minutes to prep you know and then obviously there are other things to do
2: i was getting pissed i was like okay you guys i asked for this epidural like 30 minutes ago where are they (laughs) and so they finally came they did the epidural and which kind of freaks me out a big needle in your back i've heard i've just heard horror stories about it being placed incorrectly and it causing pain for the woman for literally the rest of her life in her back. So I tried really hard to not move when they were doing it. And I did the epidural. After- you guys, can I just say how heavenly the epidural was? I like, this should have been in my plan to begin with because it was so amazing. I literally went from being in excruciating pain between singing. contractions, too, so by the way.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, in between, between contractions. contractions, you weren't really getting rest at all because you're still, you always said the contraction was always lingering. Mm-hmm. So you weren't getting a break all the time. Right,
2: right. Because typically with contractions, you're supposed to get some of a break unless you're in like transition, which is like the most intense time where contractions are stacked on top of each other. But otherwise, you're supposed to get at least some break in between. But I was never getting that. Um so yeah I literally went from being in pain 24/7 to we put on a playlist of Michael Bublé music and mm-hmm. I was like singing along and like loving life. I was seriously like this is amazing. Like I I can do this any day. But then the problem was that the epidural started wearing off because I do have a high tolerance I believe to pain medication and I have woken up under anesthesia before. And so when it started wearing off, that kind of hit me and I was like, oh no, like we need to get the anesthesiologist back in here. And long story short, they had to come back three times to top me up and give me a a complete like new dose of the epidural of whatever the medication is. And um, so that kind of put me in a space where every hour I was going in and out of excruciating pain to like bliss, you know, and that was not great. Like as as great as the epidural was like just starting to feel it again and then completely feeling it because again, it takes the anesthesiologist like 30 minutes to get down to you from when you call.
1: And I remember you had a a balloon to administer a dose. It was a maintenance dose. It
2: wasn't doing anything for me at all.
1: But the good news is after the epidural, your body definitely started relaxing, oh, right? After, oh my gosh, you an guys, hour after, mm-hmm.
2: after one hour of the first epidural dose, I went from four to six centimeters like that, easy. Like, and I, when they told me an hour later, when they checked me and they're like, oh, you're at six centimeters. I told them like, I knew it. I knew that I just needed to relax and my my body wasn't able to do that. And so then within a few hours, I was at 10 centimeters. And when they told me that you guys like so there was the nurse in there, and she checked me, and she was like, "I don't want to get your hopes up, but I think you're at nine centimeters, and I remember being like you're you're lying like i I can't <laughs> imagine because it had only been a few hours compared to the seven hours before with zero yeah, progress,
1: but at this point, we are at thirteen hours
2: yeah, from
1: when the labor still, started, so it was yeah, it <laughs> it was a lot
2: more progress compared." Oh, before. and love so the she yeah, yeah. brought the ob the, the doctor on call in yeah. which was not my ob unfortunately they were both a, the, she was amazing but yeah um, i was. love my ob um so and she came in she's like oh no you're at 10 centimeters you're ready and i literally yeah. was like this is actually happening like i can't believe it after all this time it's gonna happen so because i am a first-time mom They told me that they wanted me to do labor down where I don't push for an hour. So again, remember at 10 centimeters is when you're ready to push. But then the baby has what's called, or they're at what's called station. So they start at negative two and the station is kind of the the position that they're in in your pelvis, like I guess vertically wise, you could say like how descended they are into the birth canal, into your pelvis. And um so it starts at negative two, it goes down to negative one and zero is like when they're entering the birth canal, to my limited understanding. And then it goes to positive one and positive two. Okay. So I started at negative two and after the one hour, so I didn't push for one hour. And the reason why they didn't want me to push for that hour is because they wanted to give the baby time to just kind of come down on um her own. And that would also theoretically prevent tearing um, if possible. And, and if you also, if you're not familiar, there's what's called an episiotomy, which is where instead of tearing naturally, they could cut you. But from what they're seeing now is that recovery is better if you do tear naturally and not do an episiotomy.
1: And they did say that episiotomy was, it's a very old practice that they don't do at all at the hospital.
2: Yeah. So pretty much the labor down was to prevent or minimize tearing. And so I didn't, I didn't push for an hour. I started pushing. She went from negative two to zero in like an hour. So I feel like that was relatively quick. But then what happened is... From the first to the second hour, she was stuck. She was still at zero. So when the OB came in and she was like, hmm, it's been an hour and she hasn't moved from zero, there's something going on. And the nurse said that what was happening was she was like, with every contraction that I was pushing, she was like going forward one step, but then back one step. So we were at a standstill. And they said that it's because she was stuck behind my pubic bone. And what happens in labor from what we're told is that it is normal to have kind of that forward backward progress but it's normally like two steps forward one step back so eventually you are making progress and i wasn't at all
1: so they give you three hours to push right well after three hours yeah. they reassess and that's in addition to the labor down hour right,
0: right. and
1: then you actually started pushing right after the labor down hour and uh, We tried, you tried all the positions. I was going to say, who
2: tried? That was me. (laughs) I was trying with all of my strength. I corrected myself. I definitely
1: corrected myself. You couldn't hold yourself on your legs, so I was holding you. Yes. Yeah, you
2: you. were. You were helping.
1: I'll give you that. As As much as I could. But yeah, I don't even know how many times.
2: I mean, well, one question that I got was what positions that I tried, because ideally you don't want to just labor on your back you want mm-hmm. to be squatting, you want to be on hands mm-hmm. and knees, you want to be on your side, you you know, all the things.
1: And all of those we tried?
2: All of them we tried and I, with an epidural. Like I could not feel my legs, guys. And I was trying all of those positions. Like I remember the last one that I tried was on my hands and knees because that was the hardest one with not being able to feel my lower body. I tried all of them. And when that when the doctor came in and was like, you have one more hour and if there's no progress made, we need to do a C-section because there's no reason why after three hours of pushing and two being stuck at zero, like there's just no reason why she wouldn't descend anymore unless there's something wrong or an actual reason why she's not descending. And that reason was her being stuck behind my pubic bone. So
1: the doctor was never concerned about the health of the baby or yours. Right, there was never a case
2: of fetal distress. So that's yeah. important to say, but still, nevertheless, I didn't want to get to the point where she was in fetal distress because I kept Follow. wanting to push and push and push. And I actually, I had a session with a pelvic floor physical therapist um, just the other day to kind of t- talk about my postpartum journey in recovery and recovery in that context when i shared my birth story with her she actually said that that was a it is a science evidence-based approach to labor that after three hours of pushing that they found that going beyond that statistically was uh resulting in even higher c-section rates or something like it was putting the babies in fetal distress more if they were to continue pushing and obviously we you know, even though we still did go down that route of a C-section, it wasn't an emergency. It wasn't in the event. It wasn't a scenario where it was like, we need to save this baby's life. So that made me feel a little bit better about why we ended up having to do a C-section or the fact that they gave us that three hour kind of time limit, which truly isn't ideal, you know, to have a time limit. But, you know, considering that, that you know, more evidence based approach, I, I feel better about it. So I I pushed for that last hour, and I remember at 50 minutes, I asked them, where are we at? What station are we at? And they were like, you're still at zero. And again, kind of that feeling of defeat, I was just like, I'm done. I have 10 minutes left. Clearly, I'm, you know, not going to make progress after two, three hours, you know, at the same spot. So I said, all right, let's do the C-section. Something I thought I would never, ever say. And I still, to this day, kind of, I what did I say to you yesterday, Luca? Like, I still can't believe I did a C-section. It just, I don't want to say that it was like, gosh, in no way was it ever a part of my identity. But just any time I've ever thought about birth, my entire life, it's always been thinking about an unmedicated vaginal birth. And that a C-section just is not, was not a part of my, 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 you know, I don't know, my vision for for birth ever. And I truly, guys, I want to be sure that, like I say, for those of you listening, I'm okay with it. I truly, truly am. like Because there's there's a really um, serious thing and conversation that needs to be had for women that do have their birth plans kind of deviate, that they end up kind of really upset about it and even can have postpartum depression about it. And that's a really serious thing. And I, I, A, I don't have that. And B, I just feel like it's, that's not fair to women to like have, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's fair for me to say it's not fair for them to have this vision built up because I kind of had the same thing, but the difference is that like, for me, at the end of the day, I'm just like, hey, she's here. Like that's all that matters to me, you know? Yeah. Do I do I have some feelings about needing to do a C section? Well, yeah, because recovery was horrible and super painful. But at the end of the day, she's here, and that's really what matters. Um, so yeah, I just want to be sure to say, like, I'm I'm really okay with it. But the main reason why I never wanted a C section to begin with was not in any way because I feel like a vaginal birth is superior or anything like that it's purely because the recovery is horrible i think recovery from birth no matter what is not you know a walk in the park but on top of having a newborn you just cut through six layers in your stomach and
1: it is major surgery surgery and you know yeah and you know for the first days you, you literally couldn't move like right. on your own you couldn't right. so that's definitely makes it much much tougher especially because we are on our own here right, in Texas, right. and, and you know it's just you, me, and the baby and Rigadoni.
2: Yeah, so pretty much they brought me in to do the C section, and you guys, the shakes that I had were so intense. I, you guys, I was literally strapped down. I was my arms, was yeah. strapped, mm-hmm, were, yeah. were strapped down, yeah. and I was still yeah. shaking like uncontrollably. And it's from all the all, all the medication and the hormones and everything. And there's like pretty mm-hmm. much nothing they can do about the shakes, which was pretty uncomfortable physically and just like mentally thinking about it as you're laying on a table being cut open by the way
1: you remember telling me hey i feel stuff
2: <gasps> no i said that yeah. ew you oh my god like, i don't want to think about it
1: yeah you said it no. a couple of times and i told the nurses and they were like uh, topping you up
2: wait oh you mean like the, the medication was wearing off
1: yes that's what i meant yeah yeah that's okay okay I, meant, yeah. I thought
2: you meant like i feel my organs being displaced
1: no no you said yeah I feel pain yeah
2: oh I I, you know what what now that you say that I do remember it but I mean hey let's like I will say I did feel being jostled around on my lower body I just couldn't pinpoint it
1: yeah uh anyways yeah so (laughs) that's the part
2: that Luca does not like to talk about but let's let's talk about Luca in the in the surgery room oh (laughs) You guys, It was a
1: very, very emotional. I could very hear emotional.
2: in his yeah. voice quivering like the entire time. And I knew that he was upset, but I couldn't acknowledge it because I was just focusing on the not shaking, you know. If no possible. I wasn't
1: upset I no, was you know you were... seeing my wife going through major surgery you know yeah <laughs> you, you know, weren't it's...
2: upset in the way of being mad but you were yeah, no. not happy to yeah to see me yeah honest. I was
1: very emotional just yeah. very very emotional and you know they even asked me you know, <laughs> when they took Aurora out they yeah. asked me hey you know just you want to prop your head pick up over. so you can see her yeah pick over and see her and I was like okay and I was very hesitant but yeah. I did that and I, I'm actually happy that I did because I I didn't see anything else but okay. Aurora out. Okay. So that was
2: Aww. really good and very, very. I could cry. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was incredible. it no, was
1: it was it was incredible. Yeah. Um. So and then uh, you know you were seated on the table, and Aurora started crying. You heard that. You remember that you mm-hmm. hearing her crying.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, you told me in Italian why.
2: Uh-huh you like go that? yeah, go to her because you didn't yeah, want to leave you weren't sure if, if you could leave I me sure, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, yeah bye, like go to her you said
1: in Italian I said bye. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I uh, so she was great, so she was doing excellent, so I came back and you know, I told you hey she's she's healthy she, she you know yeah. she's eight pounds four ounces
2: I remember being surprised to hear that, but really yeah. quick, I want to back up because they said that they even had a hard time getting her out even during the C-section because she was so sucked in. It it did take longer. And I remember thinking, this is taking longer than they said it would. So they had to make my incision even a little bit bigger in order to get her out. The the doctor did say that my, my muscles were so strong and so tight that they were like sucking her in there and like not like releasing her or something like that. But I actually, I asked the um, pelvic floor physical therapist what she thought about that. And she and, and, and if my pelvic floor muscles being too tight could have contributed to my inability to deliver vaginally. And she actually said no, that there are even medical instances like something. Oh, gosh, I don't want to butcher it, but I think it's called vag- vaginismus, something like that. That is a condition where like women can't even, you know, use tampons, for example, because their muscles, um, that whole area is just so tight and like spastic almost, and that they are able to deliver birth vaginally. Like that that's, that, that condition is, doesn't even prevent them from, sure, maybe in there, there are some cases, you know, that there are other, other things that lead to them not being able to have a vaginal birth, but statistically, scientifically, or I guess clinically, You know, that's not a thing in preventing women from delivering vaginally. So that makes me feel a little bit better because I'm definitely thinking about like, well, my next birth, am I going to, you know, be able to have, I guess, what now is going to be a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after a cesarean. So, but hey, we have time (laughs) to think about that for in the future. At the end of the day, like I said, I am, you know, this was my worst case scenario for a birth. But I really shouldn't say that because there there are worse things that could happen during a birth. Hundred yes, percent. And exactly. all that matters yeah. is that she's here, and I am so at peace with the birth story and what happened. And I'm just chalking it up to oh, that's a, a life experience I didn't expect to have, you know. And she's here. And that's what matters, and she's healthy. So I will say one of the most beautiful moments of the birth and of the whole experience was after they placed her on me after the C-section, she latched right away. Like that was- Well, it was
1: actually during the C-section, you were still like on the operating table and they were still working on you and they placed her on you and it was incredible. She latched right away.
2: Yeah, that was something that I was so concerned about because we went through IVF and we had an infertility struggle. There are some links to like the root cause of your infertility could lead to um, breastfeeding since like supply issues, and I mean her latching wouldn't be totally connected to that, but still, like the fact that she put was put on my chest and latched right away, um, it was just really beautiful. So, um, I, I think lost. we we even have pictures of that exact moment. I actually shared that on on Instagram. So, um, Luca, how was it for you? Your intro into the world as a new dad, and it not going according to plan.
1: That's a great question. I think it was so many emotions mm-hmm. and it's an incredible feeling. And at the same time, it was really hard to see you go through mm-hmm. all of that, right? Because you went through labor, all yeah. the entire labor, and then the C-section. Right. And then afterwards, you know, obviously with the recovery, it was really tough, but at the end of the day, it was all worth it.
2: Yeah.
1: She's right. here, she's healthy, She is the love of our life.
2: And she's your twin. She's your mini me. I went through all of that and <laughs> and she doesn't look anything like me.
1: People have been saying that I don't see that, but you know. Oh my I mean, gosh. I'm kidding. She, I, see no, that, you, I see that. Yeah, I, I'm kidding.
2: She looks so much like you. But a lot of people say that they, that they do look like the dads in the beginning and then they change. I don't know we'll see
0: yeah
2: all right guys i hope you enjoyed hearing about our birth story and all the little extra details um again we would love to hear what you think or just to hear about your birth story so be sure to um share in the facebook
0: group or on instagram and we will talk to you guys next time
1: bye bye (laughs)
0: And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com, and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.